The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with a highly anticipated trip by Janet Yellen to China. The Treasury Secretary arrives today. It's a visit surrounded by numerous hot-button issues, from the war in Ukraine to Taiwan's independence and a battle over advanced technology. We get more from Bloomberg's Stephen Engel in Beijing. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen comes to Beijing with a giant suitcase of issues to discuss with her new Chinese counterparts. The expectations for any meaningful progress will probably be set fairly low, but dialogue itself should be viewed as constructive. Now, export controls by the U.S. on advanced technologies to China and, of course, Beijing's own export restrictions on key metals. They are hot topics right now as America and its allies de-risk their exposure to, and some might say, over-reliance on China. Stephen Engel, Bloomberg News, Beijing. Thanks, Stephen. Back here in the U.S., the Fed is also in focus this morning ahead of tomorrow's jobs report. Excuse me, jobs report. Policymakers held interest rates steady last month for the first time in more than a year. But New York Fed President John Williams says the data supports more hikes to come. The idea of slowing down the pace of rate increases and continuing to slow the pace of rate, pace of rate increases makes sense. Uh, getting some more data, getting some more information about how the economy is performing, how the past effects of monetary policy uh, are affecting economic activity and inflation, and then basically having a meeting-by-meeting meeting, uh, decision about you know, how to adjust policy. And those comments from John Williams echo yesterday's minutes from the Fed. They showed a majority of officials still back higher rates. Let's move from monetary policy, Karen, to social media policy. The Department of Justice is appealing a court's decision to limit White House talks with social media companies. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Republican states had sued the administration, accusing it of colluding with social media sites to censor misinformation about COVID-19 and elections. This week, a Trump-appointed judge issued a sweeping preliminary injunction preventing federal officials and agencies from having any contact with social media firms for the purpose of removing First Amendment-protected speech. And the White House argues social media platforms have a responsibility to be accountable for their content. This case could quickly land before the Supreme Court if the government request is rejected. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thanks. Well, staying on the social media theme, a battle is playing out today between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, say hello to Threads from Meta Platforms Instagram. This is an app by Mark Zuckerberg where you can post text and links and reply to or repost messages from others. It's the most th serious threat yet to Elon Musk's Twitter in its first seven hours that saw more than 10 million signups. The launch of Threads also saw Zuckerberg tweet for the first time in 11 years, taking a swipe at Musk, who in turn called Instagram fake. While Twitter may be vulnerable, the company's cut thousands of employees and ad revenues declined by 50%. Twitter's also limiting how many tweets per day users can view. 
Threads is launching without ads for now. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, John, thank you. There's turbulence in the skies this morning. It looks like JetBlue's opting for a soft landing. The airline says it is ending a legal fight to keep its regional alliance with American Airlines. JetBlue says it will not appeal a federal court's finding that its Northeast alliance violates antitrust laws. Instead, the carrier plans to focus on saving its $3.8 billion combination with Spirit Airlines. That deal is also being challenged over antitrust concerns. Well, Nathan, one of the hottest stocks over the past two weeks has been Rivian Automotive. The electric vehicle company has surged more than 50 percent over that period after quarterly production and deliveries topped estimates. It's also started delivering electric vans to Amazon. And we cut up with Rivian CEO R.J. Scaringe. We're now in the final hopeful stages of negotiating, uh, allowing us to sell the vehicle uh, outside of the Amazon relationship to others. So that the exclusivity provisions that were originally built into the contract uh, accelerating when we open that up to be able to sell to, to non-Amazon. And CEO R.J. Scarin says Rivian will deliver 100,000 electric delivery vans to Amazon by the end of the decade. Staying on the roads, Karen, let's turn to local politics at a legal showdown over New York City's new congestion tax. The plan to charge drivers into Midtown and Downtown Manhattan received final federal approval last month. Now, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy says his administration is lawyering up and considering options to fight the plan. I'm not opposed to to mitigating climate or pollution. In fact, we've got the strongest environmental record of any state in America. But we can't fix a broken MTA in New York City on the back of New Jersey commuters. Governor Phil Murphy says rerouting traffic tied to the plan could clog up roads and increase pollution in New Jersey. Stay tuned for more of our interview with the New Jersey governor coming up shortly here on Bloomberg Daybreak. And finally, Nathan, the heat is on for a third straight day. Earth's average temperature remained at a record high of 62.9 degrees yesterday, making it the third day in a row we've notched a fresh record. Let's look down some more stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael Barr. Good morning, Nathan. Nationwide, 21 people have been killed and 124 others were injured in more than 20 mass shootings in the first five days of July. In Philadelphia, a suspected gunman, Kim Brady Carricker, is accused of killing five people and injuring two children. Carricker was arraigned on murder charges yesterday and denied bail. Asa Califf is a member of the DA office's LGBTQ advisory committee. He says that certain conservative circles have been using anti-transgender language and rhetoric after some photos circulating online suggested that Carricker was trans. We will not allow trans women, and trans women in particularly trans women of color, to be the scapegoat for bigots. There is no room for that. We will not allow it. Philadelphia also filed a lawsuit against some of the largest suppliers of untraceable ghost guns and ghost gun kits. A former Newark police officer was convicted of manslaughter and other charges. Giovanni Crespo faces up to 30 years in jail for fatally shooting a man who sped off during a traffic stop. Assistant Prosecutor Alex Albu argued that the use of deadly force was not justified. The only time you can use deadly force is if there is an imminent danger. And clearly what the jury found in this case is there was no imminent danger under either his policy and training, but under our criminal code. It simply wasn't there. Sentencing will take place September 15th. At least two firefighters are dead after they were battling a blaze on a container ship in Newark, New Jersey. The blaze broke out late last night. 
We're hearing from the wife of former New York Mayor Bill de Blasio after announcing that they are separating after 29 years of marriage. Shalane McRae says that they will still live together in their Brooklyn home. She says that they are not planning to divorce, but will date other people. I hope that we can be a model for how couples can communicate honestly about what their needs are and and how to conduct themselves when they find it's a time to move in a different direction. Shirley McRae spoke to ABC. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. The Mets and Phoenix through eight innings. They had no runs, only three hits, but in the ninth, a dramatic home run. The payoff again. Hit in the air, deep right field. There goes McCarthy back to the wall. It's gone! Alvarez ties the game in the ninth inning. Two outs, two strikes. The Mets are back. It is 1-1. The kid has done it again. WCBS 15th homer for rookie catcher Francisco Alvarez. And the Mets were not done. Mark Canna added an RBI triple. The Mets topped the Diamondbacks 2-1. They got eight strong innings from Kodai Senga. He allowed only one run, struck out 12. And the Mets, after losing 19 out of 25, has suddenly won four in a row tonight. Go for a sweep of the D-backs who are in first place in the NLS. At the stadium, the Yankees had a 2-0 lead. Baltimore came back, scored four runs on four hits in the sixth inning. The Orioles won 6-3. The normally reliable Yankee bullpen failed to hold the lead, provided by rookie starter Randy Vasquez. He threw five scoreless. Yanks in the loss got home runs from Josh Donaldson and Anthony Volpe. In the fifth inning, there was a 17-minute delay. An errant throw by Orioles shortstop Gunnar Henderson hit Pete Stendell, a cameraman for the Yes Network. He was carted off on a stretcher. Did make a peace sign to the crowd. Stendell said to be conscious, undergoing tests at a hospital. Yankees announced before the game reliever Jimmy Cordero's season is over. Suspended for violating baseball's domestic violence policy at Wimbledon. Second round wins for Novak Djokovic and Iga Sriantek. She lost only two games. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. New Jersey is lawyering up. That's the word from the state's governor, Phil Murphy. He says he is pursuing legal options to block New York's congestion pricing plan. The measure would charge drivers more than $20 to head into Midtown and Downtown Manhattan. In a conversation with Anne-Marie Hordern on Bloomberg's Balance of Power, Governor Murphy discussed his fight against the congestion tax and the outlook for next year's presidential race. Let's listen into that conversation now. We are lawyering up and we're considering all of our options. I'm not opposed to to mitigating climate or pollution. In fact, we've got the strongest environmental record of any state in America. But we can't fix a broken MTA in New York City on the back of New Jersey commuters. 
Uh, that's not our job. Uh, and, and so th this discriminates against New Jersey commuters. It's a huge tax on them. It frankly challenges our environment uh, because of all the rerouting of traffic that will take place. I'm extremely what would you propose instead of congestion pricing? Well, at, at a certain time and place and, and at a certain rate, this is not necessarily a bad idea. But let me just remind everybody, before we got here, everybody dragged their feet on the Port Authority bus terminal. That's years away from getting rebuilt. Everybody dragged their feet and canceled the Gateway Tunnel predecessor project, which is two more rail tunnels under the Hudson. When both of those are complete and there's a fair deal to discuss, that's something I'd be completely open to. But this is not the time or the place. Neither of those things are in fact in place. And I'm not going to allow the MTA to balance its books on the back of New Jersey commuters. So are you looking at all the potential legal paths forward for Jersey? We are in all aspects, legal and otherwise. Um, we will not. Wait. Okay. And we also have the Port Authority, which is a which is a player here, and and that's uh, another avenue that we are constantly assessing. Uh, we cannot allow this to the MTA to fix its broken finances on the back of Jersey commuters. We're not going to let that happen. Speaking of commuters, uh, Newark is a major hub, especially for United. Uh, we have been hearing from the CEO. There's been a lot of issues regarding flight disruptions. And uh, Scott Kirby actually told staff in a letter that United could, quote, further change uh, or reduce schedule to improve operations out of Newark. Has Scott Kirby reached out? How concerned are you that United may actually scale back its presence at Newark Airport? We speak to Scott and his team all the time uh, about this and about other matters. Uh, this has been a tough several weeks here in the Northeast United States. This isn't unique to Newark. And I know I know Scott knows that. Uh, we, we work as best we can with the Port Authority, which runs the airport, with the big players, including United, with the feds. I think Scott is also on record that he thinks that this is a an air traffic controller issue in terms of staffing levels, um, but we're investing in Newark's tomorrow. Terminal A opened a few months ago to great fanfare. The rest of it will all be entirely open to all the other gates uh, by the middle of September. We're early stage on Terminal B. Uh, this is an incredible gem. When you pitch New Jersey around the world, as I do when you pitch corporates to come in and plant a flag, uh, the connectivity with Newark Liberty Airport is a big part of that pitch. So we will stay vigilant on that, I promise you. On the political landscape, you're, of course, involved in 2024 because you're on the president's advisory board. Do you expect that you're going to be used even more to go out and pitch the president's agenda, given the fact that poll after poll continues to um, just show that Americans are still quite concerned about the president's age? I'd be happy to go out anytime, anywhere for the president and vice president. Their track record, in particular, on the economy, and on leading the coalition in this aggressive, uh, obscene war that Russia has, uh, has uh, initiated on Ukraine. I think the work on both of those fronts is outstanding. I read somewhere recently, and this is important to note, that Ronald Reagan's numbers in the middle of 1983 were actually quite weak. The economic recovery had really started with the Wall Street upsurge in the late summer of 82, and it hadn't caught up with his popularity. I suspect you're going to see something very similar happen 
with Joe Biden. And if I could be a part of that as a surrogate or any other way, I'd be honored to. I have a final quick yes or no, Governor. Are you still keeping the door open for your own political future for the executive branch? That's an emphatic no, but thank you for asking. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.